Hi there, welcome to the Innovation Insight podcast brought to you by the Walton Institute. This webinar is hosted by Mauro Conti, a full professor with the University of Padua, Italy. Professor Conti is also affiliated with TU Delft and the University of Washington, Seattle. His research is funded by companies including Cisco, Intel and Huawei. His main research interests include the areas of security and privacy. We hope you enjoy it. Conti, Professor Mauro Conti, is a very good friend of mine. He's uh, currently a full pref- professor at the uh, University of Padova in Italy. Um, uh, Mauro completed his PhD from Sapienza University of Rome in Italy in 2009. And then after that, he did a few, um, postdoc in Vrije University in Amsterdam in Netherlands. And he's currently a full professor and he's held a lot of visiting professorship in various places, including UCLA, Darmstadt, uh, as well as University of Florida as well. He's also an adjunct professor in TU Delft and University of Washington. So his main research um, interest is in security and privacy. And he's done a lot of work, not only in basic research, but also with various different companies such as Cisco, Intel and Huawei as well. And he's an editor for a number of journals. He's an area editor-in-chief for IEEE Communication Surveys and Tutorial, associated Mm -hmm. for uh, IEEE Transactions on Information Forensics and Security, as well as Transactions on Digital and Secure Computing, as well as Transactions on Network and Service Management, all top journals. And has played a major role in various different types of program chairs for different top conferences as well. So thank you very much, Mauro. I'll, I'll pass it on to you now. Thanks, Sassi, for the introduction. Thank you all for being here. It's a great pleasure for me to give a talk to you today. Uh, with Sassi's permission, uh, b- before starting the actual talk, I will uh, give a brief presentation of my uh, research group, which is... Uh... Okay, so... Uh... Uh, I'm a, a full professor at the University of Padua. I see a bit of delay in the slides, but uh, you will see it soon. Okay. Uh, for those that are uh, at all not familiar with uh, uh, Italy and where Padua could be, this is uh, where uh, the university is located. It's very close to Venice, which is probably a bit more known uh, for uh, tourism reason. Uh, uh, but this is the University of Padua. It's uh, one of the oldest universities in the world actually founded 1222 and, and was uh, born as a split from what is known to be the oldest university in the world, which is Bologna, founded in 1088. Uh, and 1222, uh, uh, several students and professors moved out from Bologna to, uh, uh, to Padua to have more uh, freedom for, uh, for research and teaching. And this freedom actually allowed people like Galileo Galilei to come to Padua you know, Galileo was originally from Tuscany, but uh, in Padua there was the protection of the Republic of Venice. So was, there was much more independence from, let's say, the state of the church that, as you probably know, it was actually ruling some part of the Italy at that time. Uh, and uh, if you come to, to Padua, I think, Sassi, you had the chance to, to see the podium, I mean, the, 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 yeah, the chair, the podium from where uh, Galileo Galilei was teaching and also the first stable anatomical theater in the world. Uh, yes. There is even a legend. Hi? Yeah? Yes, I did. I was just saying, yeah. Okay, great. And uh, also, probably you also remember the anatomical theater here. Uh, there is a lit- legend saying that uh, here there was a rotating table and uh, they were actually using human bodies. 
uh, and they were actually using, I mean, human bodies were not allowed by the church. So if somebody from the church was approaching the table, was uh, a rotating table, they were rotating the table. On the other side, there was an animal body attached and there was a river uh, below. So the human body would have fall uh, inside the river. And imagine the passion that uh, professors have about research. They, have, they were donating their own bodies, of course, at a given point in time, particularly at the end of the life. They were donating their own, uh, their own uh, bodies uh, for, to the university to, to teach anatomy to students. And if you come, I mean, you'll have a, a chance to see uh, also some like uh, historical things uh, like uh, uh, the Scrovini Chapel, which is a masterpiece all painted by Giotto. And a couple of last things I want to say about the university is the first awarded for the quality of the research uh, in Italy. And also is the first university that awarded a degree to a woman in uh, 1678. Uh, this is my research group. The acronym uh, is uh, SPLIT, Security and Privacy Truth Zeal, uh, which is a sound acronym, but is also the name of a very popular appellative. I'm sure that Sassi had a chance to experience this as well. This is a typical group meeting. Actually, this was during a, a PhD school we organized uh, a while ago uh, with uh, some common friends with Sassi, uh, like uh, Ashogan, uh, Professor Ashogan, uh, um, Ahmad Sadeghi and uh, Lucas Davi and others. Uh, these are uh, uh, my current uh, uh, highly variable uh, people in the team, meaning that, of course, I mean, PhD and postdoc, uh, uh, they come and go out of the group uh, once in a while uh, because of their career. And these are uh, some of the master students and some of the past visitors. Here we have 2018 where also Sasi was actually. Uh, visiting us in Padua. These are a bunch of uh, uh, postdocs, PhD students that spent time uh, in the group and uh, many of them ended up in uh, very good positions like ATH, Oxford, uh, Cisco, Intel, Google, and so on. Uh, we have collaboration with uh, institutions, Italian institution, government, security agencies, uh, NATO uh, uh, communication information agency, uh, and companies, as mentioned, Intel, Cisco, NEC, Huawei, these are the, the biggest uh, collaborators. These are some of the things for which we ended up in the news. Uh, as of now, the trend is positive. We hope to, to maintain a positive trend, uh, but you never know. Uh, so these are some of the things. Uh, uh, this one appeared in the New York Times was about uh, uh, authentication mechanism for smartphone users. These are some other ones, like this bottom right was a news discussing about uh, some of the research I'm going to present uh, you in a while, uh, in a very high uh, level overview. Uh, these are some other security work we have done on uh, uh, buffer overflow. Some of our countermeasures have been uh, implemented in the Tor browsers. We have done security and we operate securities. We do security research in, uh, in uh, I mean, network security. Particularly here was a work about uh, software-defined networking, uh, fitness triggers, and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, this is something also I'm going to discuss and show you uh, in, the, in the talk in a while about the uh, uh, possibility to infer information. And these are some of the prizes our students got uh, uh, from an Italian association for the uh, master's degree in cybersecurity. You know, these arrows means uh, students from our team that got a prize. And last but not least, we, we got the first prize in the first national competition uh, 
uh, about uh, Cyber Challenge is the name, is, is kind of a capture the flag uh, competition. And we are also involved in several uh, EU and national uh, international projects. These are some of the past EU projects. Uh, these are a couple of current EU projects. Uh, Logar is about uh, uh, forensics, uh, investigation, and evidence uh, through blockchain uh, uh, technology. And the second one is basically about uh, cyber physical systems in uh, companies. And of course, we, we deal with the security part. Uh, here are some local grants, and uh, these are some of the uh, basically uh, bigger group uh, uh, that we belong to, and particularly we contribute to a couple of testbeds. One about the future internet uh, uh, architecture, which is the NDN project. We have a node inside this testbed, and also we are part of the Open Sky uh, uh, data collection. You probably know, I mean, uh, planes have this. Uh, ADSB protocol to communicate position on the ground. And uh, as uh, scary as it might uh, sound, these communication are not uh, authenticated and not uh, confidential. So, I mean, in principle, uh, you, you could uh, uh, impersonate a plane and uh, broadcast your ID and position that will be considered as uh, reliable uh, by the receiver, by the control tower, or anybody else. So in short, uh, these are the main topics we work on, like mobile security, future internet side and core channel, which is uh, the topic I will mention in this uh, talk, social network, IoT, cyber physical system and security, and so on and so forth. But I mean, there are other topics, but these are definitely the more representative ones uh, our group work on. So if there are no questions, I would actually move to the uh, actual presentation for today. You have questions? Okay, no question. So I think I already spoiled uh, this uh, joke uh, because you saw the slide. Uh, but this uh, would have worked fine if it was a real uh, presentation. So, I mean, the joke would be this, that I tell you, oh, look, my laptop uh, has been locked. Or usually this work, I mean, this, this, uh, this, uh, this joke works perfectly fine if, uh, if I use somebody else's machine, not only because I, I'm not using Windows, but, but also because I would pretend I don't know the password and somebody can come and put the password. So the question in this case is, uh, what can be wrong? I mean, a question for you would be nice if somebody want to interact and, uh, and I mean, give a point of view. What is wrong in uh, having a computer plugged in a beamer, in a projector, and inputting your own uh, password? Like often we do as uh, lecturers, we go to the class, we plug our computer, we log in, and then we, we start the presentation. Or if you go on YouTube, you'll see a lot of videos, uh, uh, like uh, maybe this one could end up somewhere recorded. Uh, if, if I really log in somewhere, uh, you might not see my real password, but you have some information that leak something about my password. Any educated guess from your side? No. OK, no guess? Uh, okay, let's move on. Let's see again this. Uh, what can be wrong? Of course, you cannot see the password, but what I'm going to present in this talk is uh, uh, all about these type of things, like uh, things that uh, we can observe somehow uh, and from which we can infer information. So I'm going to talk basically about covers and side channels. Don't uh, worry about the number of slides. I'm going to skip basically many, most of them. Uh, but uh, but 
they are in a, in a set I, I am comfortable to use. Uh, so best I'm going to, uh, to do is uh, give you an introduction, I mean, just to make sure we are on the same page about cover and side channel. Uh, and then for each of these items you see here, uh, we are going to uh, discuss some side or cover channel that we designed or we exploited to, to build uh, attacks or to uh, show uh, possible vulnerability. So we go through network traffic, energy consumption, device movement, keystroke timing, and acoustic emanation. You can see at this presentation like uh, exploiting different physical properties, but as you might notice here, there is even a subset of physical properties that we exploit that all lead to, uh, at least the way we exploit them, all lead to keystroke inference. Good, so let's start with the side and cover channel. Uh, I'm not sure whether you like to interact. Uh, uh, it would be nice if you want to jump in and tell me what you think is a side channel or a core channel. Uh, in general, let me say that as a security expert, we try, I mean, our focus is to protect system, access control, and so on, and to protect communication. So for an adversary, it should be hard to get information uh, uh, even from the system or the communication. But as any uh, operation that we do, it leaves uh, uh, like side information, right? So uh, observing emanation can actually reveal a secret. So a side channel is this. Basically, it's called channel in the sense of information theory channel. It's something that gives, transmits information. But a side channel, as the word said, is kind of a side effect. So it was not, it's a channel that was not intended to be there. I mean, nobody uh, consciously designed the channel. But if you're smart and good enough, you can read from the channel. The concept of cover channel, I don't know if somebody want to, want to jump in. Otherwise, the concept of cover channel is slightly different from the one of side channel. The difference is that uh, uh, it is made on purpose. So side channel is there by chance. Uh, and uh, uh, cover channel, yes, if you want to talk, just unmute your microphone, it's also fine and talk. Uh, cover channel are, uh, are built on purpose. Uh, usually by somebody that's say malicious or somebody that want to escape somebody else controlling. A typical, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, a book example is uh, is the one of two prisoners. They want to talk to each other. There is a guard in the middle, so they cannot exchange a message in clear saying something bad about the guard, but they can pre-agree on uh, on some uh, let's say encryption uh, or or encoding, and they can say, okay, look. No matter what I write in the message, uh, you just consider the first uh, letter of each uh, line, the first character of each uh, character of, e of each line. So the message might be, "Oh, this guy is very nice. Maybe you should buy him flowers and so on." But if you read the, the only the first letter, uh, it will say, oh, "Okay, please, you you catch him. I will beat him, and then we escape. Whatever." So this is an example, I mean, toy example of core channel. We'll see something more interesting. So let's start. Um, let's start uh, uh, with the network traffic analysis. So the first thing we look at uh, in this presentation is uh, again network traffic. So the idea is this, uh, and uh, basically we are in the scenario where we want to exhibit drop uh, at the network communication, right? So if we, if again, if this was a a uh, real, uh, I mean, in-person uh, uh, seminar, then uh, 
I could have come to the lecture room with a bag, and inside the bag I could have uh, an access point, which could have uh, EDROM SSID, and I could capture all the traffic of all the devices that would connect to EDROM. Okay, so typically this works fine in an academic environment. So if I collect your own uh, traffic, or if an adversary does this, what information I, I as I have access to? Anybody want to answer? So the scenario is that uh, your fact, traffic is going through my access point, and I control maliciously the access point. Is it the packet rate, Mauro? Yeah, there is one. Of course, uh, uh, of course, I cannot see the content of the packet, so we assume that uh, the packet is properly encrypted, which is, of course, a strong assumption, but... Uh, uh, what I can still see is the length of the packet, the direction, the timing, okay? I can see if a packet is incoming, outgoing, when exactly this packet comes and so on. So uh, our uh, motivation could be something like this. I mean, this is maybe an extreme case, but uh, you can imagine, for example, in the Arab Spring, a lot of countries or uh, population were calling for revolutions using anonymous profiles, right? So they were writing on anonymous profile, or let's uh, gather on this square, let's do this, let's do that. So you can imagine that if from network traffic encrypted, is possible to infer the action that somebody is using, is doing on the mobile device, then you can basically very likely de-anonymize because of the timing, uh, an anonymous profile, right? You can imagine, of course, a bunch of other uh, uh, applications of this, other motivation, you can think, of course, that uh, uh, marketing reason uh, uh, that you might use or somebody might use to profile people to know uh, what action they are doing. And uh, long story short, uh, what we basically uh, look at is user action, which is a, a batch of uh, a collection of uh, a very simple interaction uh, between the user and the mobile device. <clears throat> And uh, we did a data collection through a machine, and to the same machine we connected uh, the smartphone and the access point. The smartphone were using the internet through the access point, so we were able to profile the the, the action done on the mobile device through the Android debug bridge and uh, the corresponding traffic from the access point. Uh, again, in the interest of time, I will skip um, some details, but you can imagine here we have done this with uh, uh, machine learning. So we did uh, training uh, and, uh, uh, and uh, testing. In particular, we used both uh, uh, unsupervised learning with dynamic time working. Uh, basically, we, we consider for each, net, for each action, we have a batch of uh, network flows. So basically, let's say, I don't know, if you send a WhatsApp message, that will correspond uh, to a set of uh, network flows, which means uh, establishing of connection between IP port and IP port, and exchanging a bunch of packets. Here you see here uh, a possible representation of three uh, network flows generated by a single action over time, and then you see on y-axis incoming and outgoing uh, packet side. Okay. So first we we do the clustering of these uh, flows. Uh, and then uh, for each action, basically, we have a vector of zero ones, depending on the cluster that it triggers. And then on this, we use a random forest to learn. And uh, long story short, this is the outcome. 
basically is uh, very, uh, I mean, the performance, is, the performance are uh, impressively uh, good in terms of uh, identifying exactly what action the user is doing on the mobile device. So if, uh, if I was in the room, I could say, okay, that given device sent out a WhatsApp message, that other device received a WhatsApp message. As you can imagine, I mean, this is uh, to me I mean, not nice in terms of privacy, uh, and also because I mean, if you can correlate, uh, I mean, who is communicating with what, with whom, is already uh, quite significantly breach in uh, in the privacy. Uh, with a similar approach, we have done uh, also profiling of the of the apps uh, that are uh, installed on a, on a mobile device, and these are the performances. Uh, also, in this case, I mean, we can tell what are the set of apps that somebody has installed uh, with a quite good performance. Um, this is our solution, which is called the App Scanner. Uh, and uh, of course, I mean, if you can, uh, if you know the set of apps that somebody has installed on his or her own mobile device, you can uh, kind of provide that person. Probably you can tell the sex of the person, uh, language spoken, culture. Uh, and so on. Okay, so this is also uh, quite a bit of a, uh, a privacy violation. Then we looked uh, at uh, another angle, which is the uh, energy consumption. Here we have done uh, uh, side channel uh, and the covert channel. Side channel, I will quickly mention. The idea was to use the whole socket energy consumption to try to understand whether we can profile a given. Uh, user. So basically, we are using this uh, device here on the right, which, by the way, was uh, I mean, very old device uh, with a very bad uh, sampling rate on uh, of one s. And despite that, uh, we considered basically this scenario. We had a set of seven authorized users. You can also call them PhD students uh, volunteering. And then we have another set of volunteers, uh, twenty. Uh, unauthorized users, you can also call them master students passing by. And uh, what happened, what, what we ask ourselves is, let's say we profile the energy consumption of each of this uh, person here. Are we able, only looking at the energy consumption, to tell whether we are dealing with one of these users or with somebody on the unauthorized set? And uh, OK, this is the probably not so correct uh, way of cabling. Uh, but long story short, also in this case, the performances are at least, I would say, encouraging with the random forest having a, a F measure of 85% uh, in, uh, in doing the task that I just mentioned. But uh, what I would find more interesting is, uh, is building a covert channel uh, through USB uh, uh, charging cable. So the idea is this, basically we all go through airports, I mean not now maybe, but uh, we used to do that in the past and we hope uh, to do it soon again in the near future. Uh, or anyway, we all probably have uh, power banks or we at a point we need to charge uh, uh, our phone uh, in the world socket at home, okay? Now the question is, uh, uh, what is, for example, let's take this uh, 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 running example, I mean a power bank. What is inside a power bank? If I ask, maybe, uh, I mean, I see you quite shy, but if somebody wants to respond, probably would say a battery, which is a correct uh, answer usually. Uh, but uh, what else can be there? And what, uh, what can go wrong? And what a malicious guy can do with a power bank? 
what can go wrong is this i mean this is our scenario basically you imagine you go to a conference and then uh, you're given a power bank as a uh, uh, as a present for the conference like a, a gadget uh, and then uh, maybe they ask you to install an app uh, which uh, doesn't have access to uh, communication so doesn't have access to internet bluetooth uh, nothing so you you might feel okay even if you're a security nerd you might think okay this app cannot leak information from my phone outside but uh, imagine for example this app uh, i don't know is an app to do some nice effects on your picture and put pictures back on your storage what we do in our attack is that uh, basically we tell uh, this uh, app this colluding app to get the data that want to transmit say any payload it can be your picture it can be your contacts in the, in the contact list and so on. <coughs> what we do is basically we, uh, uh, we, we modulate the zero one of the payload that we want to transmit into a, give, a given specific energy consumption. This energy consumption is, uh, is observed by whom is providing you energy, being the power station, the in the in the airport or being the power bank and so on and who is providing you energy can observe this pattern of modulation right and by observing whether you are consuming a high amount of energy or a low amount of energy based on the pre-agreement between the colluding app and this external uh, malicious entity like in the uh, in the example of uh, prisoners uh, what can go wrong is that they might collude and use this modulation to exfiltrate information from your device we have actually done this we implemented uh, and to show that it, this actually can be inside a power bank we built it into an arduino mini device uh, and uh, it's basically working i have a demo video but uh, in the interest of time i will first close the the talk and then if you're interested i can show you the demo video about this uh, last uh, i would even maybe uh, Quickly mention this device movement uh, thing. Here, the idea was to uh, uh, was to use the uh, sensor movement sensors of the mobile device to uh, to infer. Uh, basically, actually, we started with uh, improving the uh, user authentication. As you know, I mean the keystroke timing. Keystroke timing means. Uh, <coughs> That basically every time we type, uh, say, password or any text uh, uh, in a keyboard, uh, there, there is a given specific time within the key press. Okay, or there are I mean other metrics that you can measure, or even uh, even uh, when you press, uh, there are even uh, even a given time you keep a given key pressed and then you release it. Okay, holding time. Uh, so all these metrics are used. Of, I mean, for now, for a, for a long time now. Uh, for user authentication in a regular keyboard, uh, computer keyboard, and this is quite efficient, quite uh, well known. But this is uh, at least was not working very well on mobile devices. What we thought is to include the movement sensors to improve this. And uh, again, uh, uh, basically, the, the results are that we can actually uh, improve uh, the accuracy, but uh, uh, on top of that, uh, uh, we found out that these, uh, these specific uh, uh, metrics coming from movement sensors are also 
much more resilient against, uh, uh, I mean, a statistical attack against uh, biometric authentication using uh, keystroke time. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details here, but I'm now going to discuss about the joke that I made at the beginning. So this is the scenario. <coughs> this can be a lecture. There are a lot of cases where we see people inputting a password, okay? So again, what can go wrong? I mean, this was the, the answer I was looking at the beginning. Yes, of course, you can see the length of the password, and from the length of the password, you can already do some brute force with that given length, but that's uh, not uh, much. What's more is that uh, you can see the timing, right? Because even if you see asterisks or symbols, you see the time at which they appear. Even if the, they are behind, uh, let's say, a projector, we had a given frequency and so on, refresh frequency and so on, you can somehow see the timing, or at least you can see some timing. And it would be great if this also worked on the screen of the ATM, because this way you could get easily uh, the pin, uh, right? I mean, if this works. Uh, so again, what you have done here is uh, we did uh, collect data, we did collect data, we did training, and uh, because of we are dealing now with password, to be fair, we uh, set ourselves against a possible scenario where we want to crack a specific password, okay? Uh, you probably know there are a lot of leakage of data sets of, uh, of uh, password uh, used by users. And the most known password, or more, not most known, the most used password is password. The second most used is one, two, three, four, and so on. Uh, so, of course, if you have to do uh, an attack on a password on which you know nothing, well, maybe it's good to, to use this uh, knowledge about the frequency, right? Because if you know that the password is used by, by I don't know, 5% of users, so what I would do first, I would try with password, then one, two, three, four, and so on. Uh, so we try to compare ourselves with such type of an attacker. And what you can see here is that, for example, for the password one, two, three, Brian, William one, which is a very popular password, uh, using the frequency, which is our baseline, is better than using our, our own attack. But when you move to passwords, which are slightly more reasonable, like GLE02, which is not that strong, uh, this is the baseline performances, while these are the performances of uh, our attack using the timing. Uh, we did this also on the pin, but uh, uh, was not working uh, very good. Uh, so uh, we, we, we did spend much more time on the pin, also because that would be a great way to, to, get, to raise research funding. Uh, so we put ourselves in the scenario that not only you cannot see the screen, uh, this was the first time and the performances were were not very good because also, I mean, uh, yeah, it's fine that, uh, I mean, uh, let's say 20 attempts, you can get 5% of the pins. But, I mean, it's uh, very, I mean, if you're really using this in the ATM, after three times, it's going to catch your card. So we were not happy with that. So we try to uh, work more on this and we put ourselves in an even more uh, complex scenario where we don't get access to <coughs> even the screen. So the scenario is that you are at the ATM uh, for a withdrawal, and then behind you, somebody is uh, is uh, mimicking, uh, uh, mimicking in, uh, the I mean, chatting on WhatsApp or something, and in the meanwhile, is recording the audio. Okay, just the audio at like one meter, two meters from your ATM. Okay, so 
nothing seriously suspicious here. Uh, so if you just record the audio, uh, maybe your phone is even lower than this in the picture. Uh, okay, what you can do? Well, with uh, filtering and signal processing, you can basically extract, uh, again, the timing. Uh, plus, uh, we can even help, if you like, with a, a thermal camera. You, we, we bought 200 bucks, one of these uh, on Amazon. Uh, there are cameras you can plug on the USB of your mobile device, so as soon as the victim left the ATM, you approach the ATM and you point out uh, uh, the, the, key, the keypad and uh, see, I mean, what are the keys that have been pressed. Of course, in this case, you don't know the order, but remember, you have also the time. Again, we have done our attack, and now the situation is uh, much more interesting to raise research funding because as scary as it is, uh, basically within three attempts, we can get basically 40% of the uh, ATM pins. Then we ask ourselves whether not all men, but all pin are created equals. You probably know that, I mean, depending on the countries or the banks, uh, you can either choose, uh, I mean, user can choose the pin or the banks can assign. Uh, in both cases, uh, situation is bad because if choose, user chooses the password, uh, sorry, the pin, as they choose the password, then we are screwed. And uh, if you're randomly assigned, then uh, you have no, no control on uh, on the pin which is assigned to you. And actually the problem is that pins are not all the same. So what we found out is that there are pins that might seem uh, easy, let's say, or trivial, like one, two, one, two, which are actually uh, very strong against uh, uh, our attack. <coughs> While there are other pins like one, two, two, zero, that are very weak against our attack. Two attempts on average, okay? So very likely we catch the first uh, I mean, keep in mind that basically, as you might uh, imagine, this is strongly related to the position of the of the keys in the keypad and the movement that we do it with the with the hand. I mean, you can imagine your own pin. I'm sure that if you have uh, your digit repeated, you probably you, you digit it very fast. Or if you have uh, two digits which are close to each other, like one, two, you digit them quite close to each other. What if you have digits which are quite far, like one nine, you probably take a bit uh, more time. And this is noticeable and measured. Also for this, I have a video demo, <coughs> but for the interest of time, I will just move to the last topic. And here, maybe I will just show you the demo video only. Uh, first, I will just tell you what we have done. Basically, during a, a Skype call for another work with some friends and colleagues, uh, somebody was I think not paying much attention and uh, and doing something else, right? So we heard uh, over the audio that was transmitted that uh, that I mean this noise, and then uh, we we started joking, say, oh look, please, I mean stop, pay attention. Then this person say, oh no, I was just taking notes and so on, and then uh, I don't remember, maybe it was myself or somebody else said, oh no, well look, I mean uh, maybe from the from the noise. We can reconstruct the, the, the keys that you're pressing, and then, uh, and then uh, we know whether you're taking notes or writing something else, right? Maybe chatting your friends on Facebook or something else. And actually, we, we stopped uh, the discussion we were doing about another research work, and then we thought, look, maybe this is possible. And then uh, we started working on this, <coughs> and uh, we actually published a first research work then we presented this also at Black Hat USA in 2017. Uh, but what, what's nice about this is that after I published the uh, scientific work, 
I got a call uh, by a journalist from uh, Forbes uh, saying that he saw uh, my research and then was interested to know more. He wanted to uh, get an interview with me. Uh, then we, we agreed on a time for the interview uh, that was the day after and uh, and we closed the call but before closing he told me oh look professor you know what tomorrow when I call I want to do this live so I, I will type and I want you to tell me what I'm studying and then I was a bit scared in the sense that I knew that I mean the algorithm was working but I mean if we failed with this journalist he would have say okay look this professor immediately published uh, I mean papers that are not uh, backed up by real uh, results and so on. So uh, after closing the call, I called my students that were working on this. I said, okay, look, let's do some open source intelligence to know what type of machine this, uh, this guy has. Because uh, as you can imagine, uh, if, you, if you do the profiling based on the specific uh, uh, brand uh, model of, uh, of laptop, performances are, are a bit better. Likely we found out this guy was a fan of Apple, so we found him with a picture of the laptop, so okay, done. Uh, and uh, maybe I can just show you uh, how the interview uh, went. Okay, can you hear the audio? Maybe not. No, can't hear any audio. Let me share again. If I start with maybe a sentence from 1984? Yeah, whenever you're writing. Okay. Remember the truth. <laughs> so I got two letters space, three letters space, three letters space. So let's try that little word. Okay, so maybe that word was himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. So the last one, uh, the most probable word is brother. Yeah, that's right, okay. yeah. Now that I know we're talking about the book, and I know the book, and I know that this word is brother, Yeah. well, Probably I guess. can see that uh, before this brother, there are three letters. Three letters, I can see a B, and then there's a G, so maybe it is bigger, you know? Yeah. Those two letters uh, be be between himself and lover, that says lover, mm -hmm. I'd say it's uh, uh, he. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. He. Now I guess it's game over because uh, I can tell you I'm running the attack and actually Googling the uh, yeah. book part, so uh, it's up to you to trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Three, four, five, six, seven. Well, embrace. Yeah, that's Whoa. the right word. Okay. <laughs> Did you get that? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely the most interesting case because usually behind passwords there are at least uh, some uh, 
private information or uh, even bank accounts or this kind of uh, high privileged uh, information and data but uh, in uh, some commercial environment or in other environment even knowing content of messages might be very valuable. Okay, this uh, ends also my talk. Excellent, Mauro. Thank you very, very much. Um, I'm just wondering if anyone has any questions, you can just ask Mauro now itself. Um, maybe I have a question to ask Mauro. That the, based on the thermal scanning of the, the heat on the, the pin pad, when the people are pressing on the, the pin pad on the, on the ATM, you're looking at the point when they just pressed on it immediately and the heat from their fingers transferred to the, the pin pad. Am I correct? Yes, correct. So basically, uh, I mean, very likely uh, with a small amount of error, you can see what are the digits that they, they, yeah. they pressed. So, so have, you, have you tested as well how long after they press the heat is still there for you to guess? Because uh, let's, say, let's say they walked away, can I, would the, the heat still be there? I suppose it depends on the ambient temperature. If it's very depends cold, on the ambient, uh, depends on the ambient and depends a lot uh, on the actual on the material of, of the keypad. So uh -huh. probably, I mean, uh, for the ATM, usually they are metal, <coughs> so they preserve the the heat uh, for a while, but not so long. So yeah. it, it is enough to to run the attack. Like if you are in front of me, you do your operation ATM, ATM, and then you leave. If I if I go in front of the ATM, the ATM right. I mean, two seconds after you, yeah. still is visible. Uh, but uh, in this case, what is particularly scary is uh, is the 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 pores in the shops, like mm -hmm. the plastic things. These are much much more uh, likely to to keep the heat for longer. I mean, they work very well for this attack. And did you check how long after they pressed it that the heat is still there? Did you check that? No, 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 not that much. Uh, I mean, we didn't check, uh, we didn't study that, but uh, again, yeah. it depends much on the material and the environment. Okay. What I can tell you is that uh, if it is plastic, uh, probably it will be, I mean, 30 seconds or even more to do the attack. Yeah, yeah. That the eavesdropping that you were trying to look at of the, by determining whether what application people were using was basically based on the, the, the packet speed and the packet rate that was actually going through listening to the packets right obviously you did not look in the packets but just looking at the 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 speed of the that the inter inter packet traveling time effectively am i correct yes exactly that's the same type of uh, information we see uh, as for the other attack basically and uh, we cannot of course see inside the packets because uh, very likely i mean basically they are encrypted in, uh, in most of the time uh, uh, while, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the things, the things that we see, like the sides incoming, outgoing, and uh, timing. Also, we cannot rely on, uh, um, looking for the slides, uh, to support what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, we also cannot rely on, uh, on the IP addresses, because yeah. uh, very likely uh, these use either proxies or uh, yeah. more likely they use uh, CDN, like Akamai, right? Yes. There are a bunch of IPs that uh, 
uh, of Agamai is that serve, I mean that they can serve basically a lot of application, for example, for Facebook, uh, Google, and so on. Then, uh, I mean, it's one of the popular applications, so that's it. You don't know exactly which application. It is even looking at the IP address. Are you aware of this one work where they were actually monitoring the 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 sound from the speed of the fan from a PC, and then from that they're determining what was the bits that was actually being sent out from the network interface. I've heard I, about several things about this, about energy consumption on servers like fan speed and so on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not well aware. I mean, I didn't do any. As a side channel, I'm just trying to, I just want to know your opinion on that. Is that, like they, they, they said that it's quite accurate though, you know, that you can actually determine what was the, the bits that was actually sent. But my understanding is that the speed doesn't change that very quickly though. So I, I'm not sure about the accuracy. Do, do, can you comment anything on that? I mean, I don't know the, the work, so as a scientist, I should not comment. I mean, but uh, intuitively, also to me, it doesn't seem like you can get a lot of accuracy there. Right, right. I mean, from the speed of the fan or from the noise, in fact, the speed and then in fact, the beat, I mean, it sounds a bit yeah, complex. Yeah, yeah. We have one question from one of the, 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 the audience here. They say that, what is, for the, for the question about the passwords, uh, what is the baseline and how do you measure, you know, why the baseline of one, two, three, Brian is different from Julian one or two? Something you suggested it was less safe than one, two, three, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I was not clear enough. So the point is this. Let me see if I find uh, the slides here. Yeah, so the, the point is this. I mean, you probably know that there are uh, uh, leaks of, I mean, data sets, like databases that have been leaked, like, I mean, recently, or, uh, I don't know, if you go on, uh, on uh, what's the name, uh, I've been phone. This one. So if you go on this uh, website, uh, and you put a given email address here, uh, you can do an exercise with your own uh, email address and uh, it will tell you uh, whether it has been uh, compromised, right? Okay. Uh, okay, like this says is compromised. Uh, it's, uh, it's actually very likely that, I mean, if at least you have a, uh, uh, an email address for a long time, is it, it, it listed up uh, somewhere. In this case, I mean, the, the, I mean, if you go down in this website, it tells where it has been uh, leaked, okay? Mm. Many times, likely, it doesn't mean much. It only means that uh, somebody steal a data set or act a data set where your email is in. Okay, that's it. Some other time is a bit more serious because, uh, like, for example, recently, EasyJet, okay, have been uh, hacked. Yeah, and yes. uh, they managed to get a lot of passwords, no, a lot of accounts lot of flights information and for a subset of the users even the password okay uh, so in this case I mean from this leakage uh, I mean researchers can look at this data set and see okay what are the most common password that the people chooses okay so if you if you do this basically you will understand that uh, I mean the most frequent password is uh, password the second most frequent is uh, whatever one two three and so on okay so what I'm saying is, uh, if I have to hack, uh, let's say, uh, Sassy's password, okay? And as, let's assume I don't know anything, okay? I don't know Sassy, I don't know uh, 
the name, surname, anything, because I otherwise I could at least try to do some so-called dictionary attack. I could try all combination of name with capital surname, uh, date of birth, I mean, uh, uh, son, daughters, the names, uh, date of birth, uh, whatever. But if you don't know anything, uh, I mean, one approach, I mean, a trivial approach would be just use a brute force with random uh, passwords, and then you would probably die and try with the random password. Slightly more smart approach would be, okay, look, I mean, I don't know anything about the user, but I know that 10% of users use password as a string for the password. So what I would do is at least try the most popular one, then the second more popular one, and then the third more popular one, and so on. Probably after you tried, I don't know, 50 password, maybe you covered 50% of the users. So with 50% chances, you get the password with this approach. So we compared our attack, which only uses the timing, with this attack that uh, that uses only the frequency, which is known. So we consider this as a baseline for our comparison. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is why, basically, I mean, uh, uh, if you look at this uh, uh, data set of leaked password, uh, uh, William one is uh, in position one eighty seven. Okay, so it's very popular. One two three Brian is still quite popular. Is uh, before. Uh, hundred thousand uh, more popular password. Okay, like Gili zero two is after half million and a half uh, popular password. Okay, is is much better than William one. Okay, this is uh, statistics according to the data set which have been leaked. So what to compare ourselves? We cannot. I mean, it would be unfair to compare ourselves with somebody who doesn't know anything because data sets are public. Anybody knows the frequency of the password. Uh, so we compare ourselves with this uh, type of attacker that knows at least the frequency of the password. So basically, if you know the frequency, basically uh, you, you can use the, this attack and then uh, and then uh, very likely, I mean, reach, uh, I mean, break the password, which is, uh, I mean, it is in position 187. So uh, I mean, after somehow that number of uh, attempts, you 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 get the password. Okay. There might be some password with the same frequency, of course. Uh, but uh, otherwise, uh, uh, otherwise, our, I mean, our our solution here would be worse than than using this benchmark. Okay, but if the password is a serious one, then our solution is is much better than uh, not knowing anything. Right. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Um, there's another question as well. Are there any methods for preventing these attacks? For example, if I type the wrong password on purpose when entering the password, the attacker may be harder to ease, may find it harder to eavesdrop and analyze my info. Right? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, the, the, if you if you break, I mean, this this all about timing, right? Mm. So if you type the password in, uh, let's say, completely unnatural way, of course you can you can break the timing. So if you press one key. You wait one second, you press another key, and then it's done. Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. Are there any other questions for Mauro today? Yeah, there's one more question there from Asanka. Um, I think he just, he'd like to ask a question. Hi, uh, I'm Asanka, and thank you so much for the, for the interesting talk and the collection of work you have done. I'm actually personally interested in the electromagnetic emanations from 
devices. So this is related to the energy consumption uh, things you have done. So have you done any any work related to electromagnetic emanations uh, from devices and what kind of experiences have you do you have? Yes, I mean uh, uh, for uh, what we have done uh, is uh, is uh, uh, is this basically we we consider the scenario of somebody which is uh, which has a laptop in office and leave the up the laptop in the office and steal the electric current uh, let's say of the university or the company he or she works for uh, and leave the laptop at night uh, to to mine uh, to mine uh, bitcoins okay so what we did is uh, uh, we use uh, um, basically the the magnetic sensors which is in the mobile device to try to understand whether somebody is uh, is uh, mining coins and uh, and we got reasonable performances but this is uh, i would say slightly different than what sasi uh, mentioned before because uh, basically uh, mining algorithms usually they are quite uh, repetitive we assume that the machine is only doing that operation so it's only executing again and again that kind of uh, set of instructions and basically we get a part pattern uh, observable by a magnetic sensor which is uh, which is uh, uh, i mean observable recognizable i don't know if this answers your question i mean this is something yeah, uh, done, which is uh, yeah thanks uh, actually uh, in my in my research actually i am focused on how we can help uh, law enforcement uh, to like in forensic investigations, how we can help them to gain insight from locked devices like IoT devices, where you know they cannot um, uh, properly investigate into what kind of data stored on the device. So, so yeah, um, so interesting stuff. Uh, so my focus is on how how we can uh, gain insights uh, for like forensic, like not security, but for forensic purposes. Yeah, um, sure, sure. Yeah, it's quite uh, similar. I don't know if everybody can see the chat. I mean, I can paste here a reference to the work I mentioned if you're interested to look it up. And of course, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you, I mean, uh, if you want to contact me afterwards, just drop me an email. I mean, I would be very happy to collaborate uh, with uh, your team. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much. I mean, we are already collaborating with Sasi, but uh, yeah, I mean, if there are other people that want to join the collaboration, I would be very Excellent. Thank you so much, Mauro. Look, that's all the questions we have. Uh, we really appreciate you giving up your time today. Very, very fascinating talk, very interesting topics. Um, we look forward to having more collaboration from our groups with, with you as well. And we hope that you'll be able to visit us sometime very, very soon once this, you know, this lockdown has all disappeared already. Okay, great. Thank you again, Mauro. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, yeah. everybody. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Innovation Insight Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other podcast streaming services. For more information on the Walton Institute, check out our website at www.waltoninstitute.ie and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. Bye for now.